Hey everyone, it's Igor here at the Contractor Evolution Studio. So as your contracting business grows, you're going to encounter an interesting and complex scenario, and you may have already, that you are recruiting for and hiring a role that you know very little about. Now, here's a classic example. You've expanded to the point where you're hiring for a dedicated full-time office manager, someone who oversees all these complex administrative elements of your multi-million dollar contracting business. Now, you get, generally speaking, how you want things to look when it comes to business organization. But my question is, is do you fully understand the intricacies of managing a CRM, a project management software? Uh, have you ever managed five different inboxes while handling all the calls that are coming in? Have you ever developed all these office processes that make sure that no details get missed? Now, whether you've gone through this process or about to, you can definitely see how hard it would be to successfully hire and onboard for this. Now, maybe that's why most contractors, first office managers, literally running out the door in the first six months. Another example, maybe you're at a point where you're hiring a dedicated marketing manager, someone who's focused on increasing lead flow or growing your brand presence. But again, my question is, is do you really understand the difference of somebody who specializes in search engine optimization versus someone who's an expert in Facebook ads manager versus someone who's amazing at building landing pages for your offers, right? They're completely different. How about an executive assistant? Maybe your business has grown to a point where you need a high caliber right hand, but it's hard to know what you're looking for when you've never recruited one or had the experience of working with a star EA before. Now, while these are just a few examples, our point is, is that you are going to run into this situation many times in your career, and it's going to require you to educate yourself on these roles that you may not understand, but you desperately need. So in today's episode, we are going to outline the five most common mistakes that we see entrepreneurs make when recruiting for a brand new role for the first time. And we also have Dr. Ken Keyes returning on the show where he's going to share his insights and thoughts on this topic. Ken has been on, on episodes in the past and is a foremost expert on personality styles and how they relate to leadership. Now, if you've heard him on our show before, he needs no introduction. And if you haven't, don't worry, you're going to love him. So let's dive into it and get into the five most common mistakes that entrepreneurs make when hiring for a brand new role. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Ken, it's really good to have you back. Uh, we very much enjoyed having you on last time to talk about personal styles and how that applies to the world of contracting. Um, yes, sir. We're going to take this in a slightly different direction today and get your your insight and wisdom on something else. Okay, so one of the things that is a um, sort of a fundamental if you're going to grow a business successfully over time is at some point, you as an entrepreneur will need to hire a role that you don't fully understand conceptually, or maybe something it's you've never even done yourself. So a, re a really common relatable example that I hear of a lot of with our members is the first time they need to hire an office manager, right? 
tons of administrative work piling up, inboxes to manage, phone calls to return, perhaps some bookkeeping to do. Um, at best, the business owner has done this sort of off the side of their desk, but they've never really done an exceptional job to their fault. Now it's like, okay, I really want to bring someone in to own this, but how do they go about doing that? And I think that there's some really common mistakes we want to address for those people who are who are going about hiring a role for the first time that they've not done themselves. So Igor, um, you've had some experience with this. Why don't you kick it off? Totally. I've bumped into this many times, uh, both in our current company, previously in developing Shack Shine, window cleaning, gutter cleaning, pressure washing, everything from like the production operated roles to sales. It's it's very interesting as you grow, like you said, you you absolutely bump up against these things, right? You run into these roles where you're like, hey, I don't know how this right. works, right? And and I've made my absolute fair share of mistakes. And, and I think it'd be really cool if, if, if we share them today. So the first one I really want to talk about here is, um, is, is to not educate yourself in the position that you're talking about externally outside of your organization, right? Because the sphere of your world that you know is the world that you know. If you're getting into a operations manager, into an office manager, one of the ones recently... Uh, that comes up for me is is an executive assistant mm-hmm. that works with me, or uh, one of the ones currently going on a marketing operations specialist. Like the hell does that mean, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, the only way I can educate myself on this is to go outside of my own organization, right? And and uh, you know I'll I'll speak to a couple different roles. So I'm going to back up maybe seven eight years uh, back. We were developing a company called Shack Shine, now a very large uh, house detailing company. And I remember one of the things that I, I went early is I flew thousands of miles to go to an event, the International Window Cleaning Association, this annual convention, to learn about what this world is and to actually go meet with people that are in this kind of role, right? Um, and I think that that's an important thing to realize is like you're always going to bump up against different roles, whether you might be uh, heading into different revenue streams, but much more commonly, the business is just growing mm-hmm. and you're in a position where all of a sudden you need a production manager, you need an operations manager, you need sales manager, project office. coordinator, totally. the list goes on as these businesses become more complex. Totally. Yeah. And you don't know these, these things and nor do you even have that information inside of your company. So really the only way, when you think about it, the only way you're truly going to understand what this role is, is to go outside of your organization. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I talked about in this window cleaning scenario. Um, so inside of BT over the last couple of years, so I, I remember sitting down for hours um, with someone that I kind of loosely know in my network who is a very high level executive assistant to, to a pretty serious exec. And uh, and I just sat for hours with with our HR girl. So so our HR girl, myself, and then and then this this individual that's been in this kind of role for many years to understand what does this person do? Right. Um, and that's often the only way you can really educate yourself. Recently, we're hiring this marketing operations specialist and it's the same thing. One of my, the first order of business is to go like, okay, what is this role and who does it? And can I go talk to this individual? Can I stop you for a second, Igor? Cause there's a lot of people watching this. What caused you to even do that? Cause I mean, 90, 95% of people never do that. Go mm-hmm. outside and look at and investigate. What was, what was really driving you to even be curious about 
should I investigate even what the executive assistant does? Totally. Well, where I came from is I was totally overwhelmed by even thinking about it, right? Like one of the ones that's, that's very relevant for me recently is this marketing operations specialist, right? As we, you build out a larger and larger marketing team, you have more specialized roles and not having come from this kind of technical background in marketing, I look at it and I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, how do I even, I'm going to look like a fool talking about people that I'm yeah. interviewing because <laughs> if I don't know anything about this, right? Because these people know way more about these specifics than you do. So if you're hiring for an office manager and they understand software processes, procedures way better than yeah. you do, you're not even competent to interview. So to be where it came from again is I was kind of like overwhelmed by even thinking about it. And, and, and for me, where do I go? I go to people in my network or that I could find in an extended network and reading up online about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you're pointing out, because I love interviewing as well, right, is just to get your ego out of the way. Right. So this is not about you. This is about your business. And to expect that I'm an expert on every part is not a reasonable expectation. It's okay to not know. And what you did is you put that ego aside and said, listen, who do I know who knows? Totally. And yeah, to not right. make that mistake that you know everything. We, we, we just don't. We 100%. just don't. So, so know, good know on what, you to do that. Know what you don't know. And I think the, the practical advice, uh, to, to put it in the language of our contractors, is if, your work, if you're hiring an office manager, if you're hiring a project coordinator, if you're hiring a director of marketing, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of our guys' bigger businesses are getting into SEO and, and like, pretty advanced digital marketing if you don't understand how that world works somebody somewhere on the periphery mm. of your world does mm. go tap into them first before totally. doing anything else go find yeah. an go find a contractor in the city next door that you're not competing with and say hey i want to bring this person on what is you know and it looks like you have somebody really thriving in that role can i talk to them can i learn a little bit about what you've hired them to do and how they're doing a great job of it. hundred percent. Right. And to your point where you said earlier, everyone will rub up against this if you're growing, yeah. right? Cause you're, you're inevitably, you're heading towards that wall where At you're coming point. up against roles uh, and different types of people that you just, you don't, you don't know. So that's number one. Uh, if you don't know much about the role, go educate yourself on it externally outside of the organization, find people that are in it. Second one, um, I find that uh, the second big mistake I've seen a lot, people don't take the information that they brought in from the outside to build the role that they need Mm. internally in terms of what the deliverables of that role are, the accountabilities, the role structure. I'm sure you've seen this many times before, Ken, Well, well, lots of times people want to use something generic. Totally. A template. And, you know, say office manager, what does that mean? That means a hundred different things to 10 different companies, Right. Right. So what is it in what you're saying, Igor, and it's a mistake, is that people take this sort of generic vanilla side when you have a specific role, responsibility. Now, I know, you know, business owners are busy, and this is actually not what you do, but what you need to do is to say, I need, what specifically am I expecting? What do I need from the role? What do I'm defining? How does, what even success look like Mm -hmm. in this position? And so a lot of times people just don't do the work. Let's say, okay, we've got this office manager, like you said, Benji. I pulled the job description off Google. uh, Yeah, (laughs) off the internet. Let's go. This is it. This is good. Change a couple of things. Away (laughs) we go. And so you did the history or you did the work to find out for your role. And then you took the time to define it. What does it mean for you and your position and who you are? 
Because we have this other side that everybody has different cultures, different expectations. And so if you will only fire, find the right person based on how clear you are about who you need. So if you are unclear or it's kind of not specific, then that is what you're going to get. So you can use the research you've done, uh, you know, through a friend's company or, or you know, externally, you, um, you use that to inform the writing of your own, but your you don't, own. you don't skip it's that It's not step. a carbon copy. It's exactly. not, you don't just like erase the logo and be like, here, yeah. I wrote it. Like you, yeah. you use it to inform, but ultimately it does need to be very carefully thought through for your specific business because there's going to be different services. Your team is organized differently. Totally. It's a completely different CRM. You're serving a different market. Your pricing structure is different. So it's like a good, that, that research you do is the template don't skip the step of synthesizing that into your own model. 100%, right? So if I, I, I met with the girl, let's call her Linda. When I met with Linda, the executive assistant to, to, an, to the other exec, I didn't take Linda's job description and what she told me verbatim and create it for myself. I went and sat down. I remember very well the exact coffee shop that I was in. I went and just grabbed a nice latte and sat there for, it was literally a good two, two and a half hours to think what I just learned and apply it to what that means for our organization's situation, our current state, what we need, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and to what Ken said, like if you don't do that, what you're gonna get is generic. So mm-hmm. that's the second big mistake I see people make is they don't take that, that, that step to take the time to do yeah. that. So that's, that's really important. A third mistake, um, and you talk about this one a lot, and I love this. There's really two different spheres to developing this ideal candidate and what you're looking for. There is what do they do, which is what we just talked about, right? Where you look at other organizations, other people you learn, then you take time to think about it for yourself. But then there's this whole other sphere, which is who is the person? Mm-hmm. What is the personality that's going to fit this kind of role? So tell us a bit about a bit about that and what you commonly see in the contracting space. Well, what you were talking about is, that, you know, it's what they do, but also how they do it, mm-hmm. the personhood. And so one of the things that people are not doing is defining what is the nature of the person or the position from a personality point of view, right. how they're going to go about doing the job. And we know the research is clear. I mean, turnover is highly expensive. So we run through it. Let's get this, the, you say, warm body. <laughs> Let's get the warm body. And then we get another warm body and another one and another one because we haven't done this work. And so we want it. So because you've done the research, you find out from other people about what really is needed in the role, define what you really need in the role. Based on that, you now say there's a set of tasks, there's a set of interpersonal re- expectations, and I can convert that into a profile, a personality profile for the position. Now, the second part of that step three, the things that people don't do this, is what's the nature of the person who's applying? Because mm-hmm. if I'm going to have sustainability and I'm going to have high performance, there needs to be a job fit. And when I say a job fit, a job fit from a personality point of view, as well as the skills, the talents and abilities that you're looking for, that you spe- you've now been specific about because you've done your research, you've done the work. And I know nobody as an entrepreneur wants to do this, right, Benji? Mm-hmm. No, I just, I just want to hire somebody. Totally. But you know you're going to pay the price if you don't do this. It's going to be turnover. (laughs) You're going to be frustrated. And so now you're actually holding yourself accountable to say, okay, what do I really, really want? Now, I think we were talking about this earlier off air, Igor, is that most people want to hire Superman or Superwoman that does all things. So here, you know, what's your job list? 
it was just a few things, you know, like it's on 17 different pages. So what it does around personality for the position is that we're forcing you to prioritize. Who do you really need yeah. to be able to successfully fulfill this role? And we give you a framework in our methodology called the job style indicator to specifically say, okay, is it this? Is it this? Is it this? So the words in the word list are really around what people do in jobs and how they do it. And we're forcing you to be clear about it. So the, the clearer you are, then the clearer you're going to be in terms of the type of person that's going to fit that culture and that style. Sometimes mm. you can actually have people who do the job pretty well, <laughs> but you don't like them. Right, <laughs> so right. There's not a chemistry. There's not a fit. So there's that side of it as well. Not only the fit to the position, but the fit to you and how you're going to work with them and how you're going to lead with them. Right. Okay. Do, do you not also need to get crystal clear on what you don't want as well in a role too like like yeah there's all these desires of the profile but you should also gain some clarity on like hey these would be no go zones these are things that would actually inhibit someone mm -hmm. in a role absolutely because what are the things you're now you that's sort of that yellow or red flag thing right yeah so uh i don't want somebody that's going to do xyz so what a person is is also what they're not so that helps you. And I remember we were talking off air about a team. I just worked with a sales team where we determined that there was a certain sort of personality style that was their lowest performer. Mm -hmm. And it was consistently low in every person who had that in their dimension. So that was telling them, you don't want to hire yeah. a person with this in the future because they have not demonstrated success in this sales role for this mm -hmm. company. Now, the other ones had a little bit more flexibility. There was a little bit more variety, but we knew what we didn't want. And that wasn't going to work in the context of this very specific sales role for the scientific company. Yeah. So again, uh, that is very, very a good point that you have there is to be clear about, you know, I don't want somebody who's just going to be freewheeling and do what they want when they want in this role. Or yeah. maybe that's what I do want them to do it, where they're stuffy and they never take any risk. That is part of the job that you do in advance to get clear about these things. Yeah, and you 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 could, you could think of a few examples, right? Like in, um, I, I, I we open up this conversation with a, this uh, a classic um, question mark that a lot of contractors have is the first time they hire an office manager. You probably don't want an office manager that is highly creative, needs a ton of variety. Mm -hmm. You actually rather them just be like quite procedural maybe a little risk averse and it's uh, it's going to depend on the role that you're hiring but but looking at both sides of that coin i think is is really really important right totally one of the things that comes into this benji this is you just alluded to in my head here is that a lot of times we will tend to hire people we like Right. Mm -hmm. And so we bring our bias to the interview. And one of the things about this step, because if we don't do it, then I'm going to start hiring people who win the interview verbally. And so people have verbal prowess or presence in an interview and they win it and they get the job and they are not a fit at all yeah. for what the role needs. So this is helping to bring some more objectivity to the process and remove my bias to how I hire mm -hmm. so that I could be clear that, you know, this is really about serving the company. Right. This is about the position. This is not about you. Again, this is about what you did, Igor, is removing your ego out of there and say, okay, what does this company really need for this position? Right. Get clear about that. Get as best as we can the right person that's a job fit or what we call compatibility. Right. So practically speaking, when it comes to removing this bias of your own, uh, throughout an interview process, when you see successful companies doing this well, where in the interview process do they 
bring in tools and what kind of tools are they bringing in? So they, in advance, they determine the job style or the, the profile of the position before they even go to hire. Right. So that you are clear. So that actually helps in the clarity process. We were talking about maybe two or three people fill it out. And because um, you have these different opinions and if I have different opinions, then I have this discussion prior to getting in the interviews. Because now I could have Benji saying, well, no, no, we want Ken here. And, and, and so you're arguing with each other while you interview me because you have different opinions about, do that in advance. Right. The next part is once a person gets through what I'll call a preliminary interview, is that you sense that there's the values, they have the skill sets, all the traditional things that we would do mm-hmm. in sort of this generic interview side. You say, you know what? I think Benji might be a fit. I'm going to have a second interview. That's when the tool comes in for him. Right. And he, we fill that out on the candidate. And then we do the job fit tool and says, okay, based on the position in Benji, here's the fit level. Here's the, it's a, is it a match to extreme mismatch? And mm-hmm. we know if it's an extreme mismatch is that they, they, he is not going to be able to sustain engagement performance is going to go down, he's going to quit, or you're going to fire him. Right. So why would you want to do that? And the other thing that's actually very powerful about this, when you start having and you use these tools, you actually have candidates say, you know what, Ken, this is really not the job I thought it was. Mm-hmm. It's really not the <laughs> role that I was envisioning because your description said this, but now that we're having this conversation, it, it's really not me. Mm. I mean, you want people to dehire themselves in advance versus a month from now. I mean, get this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, there was a research study done under the UK. Do you know what percentage of people who are looking for a brand new job, even though this is their first day in the job? 33%. Huh. So obviously these mistakes are extremely mm-hmm. costly. If we don't take care of this stuff in advance, if you have a third of the people who've started working with you today already looking on Indeed, uh, this is not good. Totally. This is very, very different than like the, you know, a, a typical, like very old school approach would be, well, he's a chatty guy. I think he'll be pretty good at sales or yeah, she's, I've seen her like work on Excel. She'll be a great office manager. Like this is a complete is a way more robust process totally. that that d- delivers a way higher quality candidate, uh, and it's a, it's a better experience for them too. Yep. So that's that's 100%, three. That's three. And and just to really drive the point home, to be clear, because I I love this point that the, the principle is the distinction between two and three is you separately need to look at what are the specifics of the work at hand. What does this person need to do? This third point is about. Who is the person? What is the personality that they need? How do they do that work that is so important? So coming back to the example, I think we were talking about the executive assistant roles, the the EA that I work with now. Um, is a ton of my thought went into who is this person, the personality here? What is it going to feel like to work with them? And this is how I arrived So at, at, at the individual that was hired, and, and we have an amazing working relationship. Um, and the, and her, her personality style is, is very much what I envisioned because I took the time to think through it. And those are really two very distinct things of what does she do and how does she do it and what is her personality like? two completely different things. And I think 98% of companies that we see completely miss that second mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So, so that's, that's the third, let's go to the fourth mistake I've made 
so many times and mistakes that I see companies make over and over again is you have a completely unreasonable scope of work and put on way too much stuff into that role because you're way too vague and you don't know what it actually takes to get that You've done. You've never done it before. You've never you, done it it's, before. It's abstract. You're and, just like, I think it's all this and stuff. You think, yeah. And you think it can be this in reality when you look at what it actually takes to get it done, it can only be this. Mm-hmm. So there are, there are people who you actually do a huge dis, you, I mean, we could say we have done a disservice to because you we've made this mm. mistake and you're like, here's a 40 page job description. Um, sh- that should be fine. Right. Totally. Like, they, like you know, they want to get the job. They actually don't, they don't have, uh, whatever the relationship with you, the knowledge to maybe set a boundary. And so you end up six months in with a complete state of overwhelm, and totally. well, you're in the higher level position. They're not going to come to you and say, yeah, can you chop hey, that in dong, like for the same money? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. So they're not going to say that. So what you have is, is them saying, yes, yes, yes. Sounds good. But it's, it's ludicrous that you're even thinking about putting this on them as a leader. And again, we've all made that mistake, right? You see it in, in, in administrative positions. You see it in marketing positions. Well, this is the office manager. They're going to take care of it all. But the reality is at the size of a company that you are and where you're headed in the next couple of years, you need five people in the office mm. to, to you know, deal with that. When we think about life, just about everywhere in life, people specialize. Totally. And so my wife actually just had her hip replaced. It's not the optometrist that she went to go see. Right. right. <laughs> that's right. She, this is all that that's, this surgeon does yeah. is replace hips. And by the way, he does it in 60 minutes. Yeah. And so I said, how can he do it? I'm not a GP. So why wouldn't we think about that for our own teams? So, and it's, it's not bad. Maybe we need to think more creatively, Igor, where we say this could be two part-time positions versus one full-time. Yeah. And, you know, people are looking for more creative options, more flexibility, more sort of virtual nature of certain things. So don't box yourself in on how to set this up. Yes, you need all these things done, but maybe it's just not one person that's doing it. 100%, right? Like you'll, you'll see the mistake, like a, we, we see this regularly, contractors hire a marketing person and they're managing paid ads and and different things like that but all but then they're like what well, can you rebuild the website well they're not a web developer totally. they're great totally. at google ads and instagram ads and things like that it's, it's it is you know co- contractors mm-hmm. commonly will look at this be like well that's marketing but the, the marketing world is extraordinarily special. You, you have, you have companies that have yeah. hundreds of people with departmental leaders, all within disciplines of marketing. It's like saying it's a doctor, but there's a difference between an orthopedic surgeon and an optometrist. Yeah, but right. when you when you don't do the research on this stuff early on, the, these that's the mistake. Exactly you are very, to the very point very of ego, you're yeah. prone to make those errors, yeah. which you as a leader it's your job to educate yourself and not make those kind of mistakes because you're setting up people for failure when you give them a role that's too vague and very often a role that is way too much in scope beyond what's reasonable for them to be successful. And you're just going to create a bunch of stress in your own life. Completely. (laughs) Because you've just overwhelmed this person here. You're going to be frustrated with what they're doing or not doing. And uh, it's really unfair to them too, but it's also unfair to yourself. So what you were talking about, Benji, is now we're, we're really becoming professionals mm-hmm. with internally in our business as well. We're professionals externally and our deliverables, but now we're making our business internally 
professional. I remember years ago, I know I'm dating myself here, but I personally met Michael Gerber when his book came out around, you know, setting up your systems, you're a technician, get the systems in the company. This is just part of the system and try to avoid these mistakes. Yeah. hundred percent. And the fifth one, uh, the fifth very common mistake is, is often front of mind for me, mistake we commonly see in the, in, in the, in the business world and contracting, especially is when, when you're hiring for a role that you don't understand, you've, you've got to think through how you're going to effectively onboard this person and train this person, considering the fact that you don't know those things. Like if you're not exceptional at overseeing QuickBooks from the day-to-day AR, AP, invoicing, customer management, reporting, how are you going to teach that person? You're not. You're not. To say nothing of holding them accountable long term, exactly. moving them up in their career, developing their skills. Like you, you, you are uh, up a creek without a paddle. I think exactly right. So if if there are certain elements that that you're not good at, it's fine. But you either need to find inside of your company or externally how you're going to get that person onboarded well and skilled up. And, and that's a very common mistake. People don't flag that during the interview process of, man, I'm going to hire someone in a month or two. And have no idea how to manage them. And I'm heading into a brick wall. Yeah. And, and, and I so, even oh, there's your desk. There's a computer. <laughs> oh, let's see. Password. Just do that marketing me, stuff. Do the, the marketing stuff. And, yeah, like, yeah. See you later. Get totally. us some leads. Yeah, that marketing thing. Yeah. You know what you're doing, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, one of the other things we talked about that links into the, all five of them together was... If you don't have a clear expectations of what this person is to deliver and how, then you can't have accountability on the other side. So you're hiring this person. Now you're frustrated, but really onboarding is part of the hiring. And most people just sort of forget it. So, no, no, I've got you now. Like, I've caught you. You're a fish in the hook here. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, no, no. I need to work on the onboarding. In many cases, you don't have a plan. You don't have a setup. You don't, it's sort of like a site prep. You would never go and do a site prep without a plan. It's the same thing here on the onboarding. Don't matter, doesn't matter what the role is. Is How do I actually get this person ready to succeed in this role? And I appreciate what you said earlier, Igor, is that get the other help around you. Totally. To uh, fulfill that. If it's some expert on QuickBooks or expert on SEO or whatever it is, that to ensure that even to help you know, do they know? Because mm-hmm. you'd say, okay, I just hired this new bookkeeper, kind of an administrator, and you have the QuickBooks expert. How are they doing? Oh, they don't know what ARAP means. You know, yeah. I mean, they just kind of faked it in the in the interview. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm totally. just being over the top, but that is important as well. Yeah. One of the ways that I really look at my job as a leader as an, as an entrepreneur my role is to assemble resources, right? And you kind of do it when you build a team, right? Like I need marketing, I need sales, I need operations and man and operations management, I need administrative support. You're really an orchestrator of all the pieces of the puzzle. This whole onboarding thing that we're talking about when you don't when you don't know that role very well is the same thing. Your job is to assemble the resources. Now it's around that individual. So you might not get it, but how do you creatively bring in, whether it's from inside your company or outside, everything that that person needs to be effectively onboarded and trained? That's your role as an entrepreneur. So yeah, that's that's also a very common one. So to sum it up, five very common mistakes as you as you rub up against this 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 thing that you're you're you are headed towards, whether you've seen it or not, you're hiring for roles that you're not super skilled or educated in. Number one, uh, you've got to educate yourself um, 
on that position very often externally mm-hmm. on what it is. Um, number two, use that information to develop what that means for your current situation and your company and your values and all that stuff, like what you're looking for. Number three, you've got to distinguish between what that person does and what the structure of that role is as compared to what is the personality you're looking for and taking the time on that. So that's that, that's our third one. Number four, watch for the red flag to have where you have the unreasonable scope of work. You're mm-hmm. asking too much because you don't understand it and you're underestimating what goes into it. And of course, number five, remember to think through onboarding very early on because you're going to have a problem to onboard and train that person when you don't thoroughly understand mm-hmm. it yourself. Awesome. Great, guys. Hey, if you enjoyed this show, hit that subscribe button. It's what allows us to produce more awesome content for you totally for free.